This morning's scripture reading is taken from the 10th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The title of the message this morning is Faith, Fear, and Fear. <laughs> Two different kinds of fear, uh, or maybe the same kind of fear, maybe the same phenomenon, but directed toward uh, different objects or different subjects. Uh, so let's talk about the first type of fear first. Um, the first kind of fear I have in mind is what today we more often label as anxiety. But it's just fear. You know, we, we have all these terms that we've come up with uh, to make things sound more like we've got them under control. Like somehow by calling fear anxiety, by labeling it anxiety, it's like, well, you know, it's just, 
with science, we understand it now. It's, it's called anxiety. Well, we don't understand it. It's, it's called fear. It's always been called fear. And from the beginning of time, people have been afraid. And everybody sitting in this room all week long had to fight back fear. And it could be about all kinds of different things. You know, you could be afraid about uh, little stuff, you know, that this particular interaction isn't going to go right. You're nervous about it. You could be afraid about big stuff. You know, what, what's going to happen to my family or what if this bad thing happens? Rational, irrational, but we all deal with fear all the time, all the time. And, you know, anxiety, I mean, I guess, you know, that's maybe the connotation there is like a certain level or a certain out of controlness, you know, where it keeps spiraling. Um, but it's fear. It's just fear. There was a message about anxiety. We did a, a series on negative emotions a while back, and we talked about anxiety. And uh, I just accidentally stumbled upon this recently. I've never looked at like the analytics uh, for the sermon podcast at LMCC, but I you know, clicked on something. I was like, oh, and it was like ranked in order. And this anxiety sermon uh, was one of the most listened to sermons in you know, the history of the church. Um, and what I talked about in that sermon was to deal with anxiety, to deal with fear. You have to speak to your heart and tell your heart that God is in control. And so uh, Paul talks about, you know, don't be anxious about anything, but pray and the peace of God will come in and protect you and flood your mind. And whatever's true, whatever's right, think about those things. So, so essentially, um, think positive, think about God, trust in God, and that will kind of counteract the fear. That's 100% scriptural. I still believe that, uh, and I know that it worked for many of you. You know, you told me that it worked for you. So I'm not um, trying to scrub the record of that. You know, that's great. But I think there's more to the, the picture uh, than just that, because honestly, that alone uh, doesn't do it for me. That didn't work for me. There was a missing piece first before that, that piece about um, peace, P-I-E-C-E. I need to find a different word, uh, before the bit about uh, the peace of God coming and flooding your heart and mind. Before that, for me, there was something else that had to happen first. And so I want to add to that. I want to, um, you know, this is a good place to say, I've, I've said, I've made some disparaging remarks about this church prior to six months ago. You know, basically like, oh, all that was garbage. Now we got the real thing. And I think uh, some of those remarks have been uh, misinterpreted by no fault of yours. I've just probably not been careful enough in the way I've talked about it. I think everything that's been said at this church for the most part has been true and of the Bible, uh, of God. I just think that there's been a missing piece. I think there's been a, a missing piece. And so it's not that we throw all that out, but just add something to it. You know, we, we, we had a lot of the ingredients. We had a lot of the good stuff. The anxiety message from a couple years ago still stands. We don't throw that out. We just add something else to it. The other thing, just while I'm on the topic, now this is totally an aside, but um, the other thing I've been referring to when I made disparaging remarks, remarks about the church in the past is my own experience. And before, I didn't get to be a part of this church because I had to produce it. You know, I was, it was, uh, I was 
on stage or backstage or you know whatever and it wasn't it wasn't a thing for me it wasn't a congregation i was a part of it was just something i was making happen for all of you and that was um satisfying to a certain extent but now i get to join in now i feel like i'm a part of this church now i get to worship with you because i'm letting god supply the strength and energy and the messages uh, it, it's changed the dynamic for me. So part of what I've been referring to in the past about my own uh, feelings about the church prior to six months ago was just my own experience of I, was, I didn't get to be part of it before, and now I do. But anyway, uh, that's not the point. The point is all the anxiety stuff from before about the peace of God coming and flooding your heart, about setting your minds on those things, about trusting God, that being the antidote to anxiety, all that still stands. What was missing for me and what may be missing for some of you was this other fear. Faith, fear, and fear. So what we're talking about this morning is the relationship between those. What's the relationship between faith and fear of everything else and anxiety, this fear that nobody wants to experience? And then lastly, this, this other type of fear. And the other type of fear that I have in mind is the fear of God. Fear of God. There are these verses in Psalms that says the Lord is terrible. The Lord is awful. Do you think of God as being terrible and awful? You know, those, those words have obviously slipped in their usage in English. Uh, we don't use them the way they literally, what, you know, the, the etymology, what, what they used to mean. Awful used to mean, you know, strikes awe in you, but kind of in a bad way. Uh, terrible, you know, terror. Has God ever struck, struck you with awe that you weren't sure if you liked how much awe you were feeling? Or, or terror uh, that, you know, you knew he was good, but you still were terrified. Has that ever happened? For me, it's only that fear of God, that type of fear of God, that has eliminated the fear of everything else. And this is what Jesus talks about in the scripture reading this morning. This passage was very transformative for me uh, in reading this and realizing, yeah, that has been my experience. And what Jesus says is, he, so he sends out his disciples uh, to go cast out demons and um, heal the sick and go into all these towns and preach to people that don't want to be preached to. And he's like, oh yeah, they're going to hate you and they're going to, you know, uh, arrest you and flog you and uh, kill some of you. And, but don't be afraid. They're like, okay. Like, you know, what's the, well, what's the trick there? How are we supposed to not be afraid? And I would have thought, if I just had to fill in the blank without reading the passage, I would have thought that he would have said, well, don't be afraid because God loves you so much. So just trust in God. That's not what he says. He says, well, don't fear them. All they can do is kill your body. Fear God, because he can destroy your body and your soul. The greater fear pushes out the lesser fear. Not love, fear. Now, there is a verse in uh, John, in one of John's letters, not the Gospel of John, where he says, uh, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. That's true. It's in the Bible. I have no idea what it means. And when I say I don't know what it means, uh, I could 
definitely write a paper on what it means. That's not what knowledge is in the Bible. You know, to our, our Western minds that have been conditioned by this whole Western philosophical tradition, starting with Plato, and maybe Kant is the last great figure. You know, that's how you think. You think the way Plato and Kant told you to think, and everybody in between. It's very different in the Bible. The Bible cares nothing about rational knowledge. The word know in the Bible is the same word for sexual intercourse. Knowledge is experience. Knowledge is intimate experience. So sure, I could write a paper on what the idea that perfect love casts out all fear means. Of course I could. But I don't know experientially what that means. And maybe some of you do. You know, Maybe some of you could get up here and preach a great sermon on that verse. And we should have you do it because it's in the Bible and it's true and somebody needs to, but I can't. I can't because I'm not going to talk to you about anything anymore except what I know in the biblical sense of the word, what I have experienced, what the Spirit of God has illuminated for me in the pages of Scripture. Not just the parts that I can make sense of, but what, what God himself whispers to me and says, yes, this is what this means. And then I experience it in my own life. So we're not talking about perfect love cast out all fear today. We're talking about this other verse that's also in the Bible where Jesus says, well, it's easy, easy trick how to not be afraid of all those people that are going to arrest you. Just fear God more. And there's an argument as to why you should fear God more. It's not just like fear God more because it's a good Christian thing to do. It's just, well, shouldn't you fear the the more awful, the more terrible? Shouldn't you fear that more than you fear some person that can only kill your body? And it's worked for me. I have developed over the last six months a certain uh, fearlessness. And, not, and it's certainly not you know, all, all pervasive, and uh, I'm not saying that I don't struggle with fear at all anymore. But I'm way less afraid of way less things than I used to be. And for me, again, talking about this verse and my experience, for me, that fearlessness has just come from being afraid of God, just so much more afraid of God than I ever have been before. In, in taking these risks or doing these things that seem reckless or um, not caring what people think, you know, I think that it could come across as uh, before I was very calculating, very cost-benefit, and I think that becoming, you know, more fearless could come across like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing cost-benefit anymore, you know, I'm not, I'm not calculating anymore. That's not it at all. It's just that my, I'm doing the exact same cost-benefit. It's just my eyes have been opened to the real reality and the real cost, the real potential cost of not obeying. God on one level, and this is very narrow, I'm talking about one thing here, I'm going to get a lot of angry letters about this analogy, but uh, it gets it across. On one level, God has become like a, a mafia boss to me, you know, like a mob boss where just do what he says and he'll take care of you and you don't have to fear anybody else in the neighborhood, you know? Because <laughs> he's got your back, but you do fear him. You do fear him. And it's a lot simpler to just fear him. 
and not fear anybody else. Fear, the greater fear expels the lesser fear. And so what I have wanted for you and what I feel like God has been speaking to me about to, to speak to you about is that same fear, that fear of God, that holy fear of God. And what that is is motivation to do the right thing. Because he does threaten. He threatens punishments. He does. It's all through the Bible. You know, there's this covenant he has with Israel when they move into the promised land. And he says, here's the blessings if you do what I say. It's kind of short. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on about the curses if you don't do what I say. That's who God is. That's who the God of the Bible is. A person who offers these blessings, these rewards, but then this huge list of threats and punishments. Why? Because he loves us and he's gracious, and he's trying to give us as much as he can in terms of motivational resources to do the right thing, the right thing being the thing that leads to life, the thing that saves us. He's trying to help us out, and he knows it's hard. Jesus says, I know it's hard. I know what I'm asking you to do is hard. Here's something that'll make it a lot easier. Here's a resource you can draw on, fear of God. God's threatening you in this way if you don't do what he says. That's nice. That's convenient because you got one more reason to do the right thing. And right and wrong, you know, as we've been talking about the last six months, this is not a matter of morality. This is a matter of light and darkness. Satan or God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, one's good, one's not. And so he wants to get you over to his side, and he's using both hands, both fists, to just say, come on, come on, do this for your own sake. And it's helpful to me. It's extremely helpful to me, because what it does is it, it shortens any sort of calculus I have to go through about what should I do here. You know, I just think, well, I'm afraid of God. I'm afraid of God, and I don't want to cross him. Now, I said earlier that Jesus says, uh, you know, don't be afraid of these people, be afraid of God instead. What's funny is actually right afterwards, then he does go to love. He goes to fear first. Do not forget that he goes to fear first. But then right after, he, d he does the thing about, uh, that you probably have heard preached many times, about, well, don't you know that uh, two sparrows don't even fall to the ground without God? seen him fall, and don't you know the hairs of your head are numbered? You know, these very, like, uh, soft, loving, thoughtful, God is like the best grandpa ever uh, thoughts. Also true. Also in the Bible. It comes right after, the very next line after it says, well, you should fear God because he can destroy both your body and your soul in hell. And don't you know that, that he doesn't even see two sparrows fall to the ground? You know, don't you know that the hairs of your head are numbered? I've seen this amazing to me and beautiful to me thing happen where, again, back to not knowing and this idea of, of knowledge. Uh, I knew, I knew in the rational sense, I knew in the Western sense, the love of God my whole life. I have never known 
the love of God until recently. And what's been amazing is that progression that Jesus talks about. I feared him first. I feared him first. And then all of a sudden, when I feared him, when I feared what he would do to me and my family if I didn't do what he asked, when I feared how terrible and awful, in the modern sense of those words, my life would become if I didn't obey this terrible and awful God, only then is when his love clicked in for me. And it felt real all of a sudden. That this, you know, this, this mysterious, jealous, angry, wrathful God who takes vengeance, who nobody can understand, that that God loves me, that that God has counted the, the hairs on my head, it changed it a lot. And it goes back to something I said months ago. I said, if you don't believe the whole book, then the parts you like, you'll never really believe them. You'll never really believe them because they come from a source that's not credible. You have to take all the other stuff too to get the stuff that you like. And I have seen that happen in my life. And it, it's been amazing to me to actually feel his love once I just accept him for who he is, which is a guy that I don't understand and don't like a lot of the time. But when I don't like him, I'm wrong. I know that. That doesn't change the fact that I don't like him. It's a relationship. He's complicated. Like, really, really complicated. I think we, we treat him like he's, he's just so simple. Back to the, you know, the philosophy, the philosophical tradition. We treat him like a collection of abstractions. You know, the platonic forms and ideals. You know, this is what love is. This is what justice is. And God is just all of that. It's not like that at all. He's, he's complicated and confounding. But he's worth it. And if you just accept him in all of his complexity and confoundingness, then you get the real thing. You get this closeness, you get this nearness. And you finally find yourself able to do the right thing all the time. Because he's real. And he's there. And he's near. That's what faith is. Faith is doing the right thing. Faith is an action. Faith is God makes a promise and you follow through on it. And, you know, the Hebrews 11, the hall of fame about faith, it's funny how much fear comes up. You know, it says Noah, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. God says a flood's coming and you should be afraid. And Noah says, yeah, okay, I guess I should. We talked about Rahab earlier this fall, you know, being afraid of the army coming and, and destroying her, and so she switches teams. One of my favorite examples is Esther. The book of Esther, Esther's in the palace, and the Jewish people are about to be annihilated, and Esther, uh, her uncle, says, you need to go in and talk to the king. Go in and talk to the king and tell him to save uh, the Jewish people. And Esther is afraid. 
she's so afraid and she says, I can't do that because if I go in, he can order that I be killed on the spot. And Mordecai writes back, he's got one shot. He's got one shot, one reply, and he writes back and he does not say, Esther, just remember how much God loves you. He says, Esther, if you don't do this, God's going to save all of his people another way except for you. Let's just be real clear about how this is going to go down. God doesn't depend on you. You have a chance here. You have a chance to play a part in the story. If you take a pass, he'll save everybody else. He won't save you. You think the king is going to kill you? You're afraid of the king? This makes no sense. You're afraid of this king and you're not afraid of the holy living God? And taking these risks that I've been taking, I'm not doing it because I'm this great person, or I'm not, and I'm also not doing it because I'm a thrill seeker. I'm doing it because I want to protect myself and I want to protect my family. And there is no question that God is the greatest threat to me and my family. No question. Don't be afraid of the devil. Don't be afraid of bad people or bad leaders. Be afraid of God who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell. There's no greater threat to me than God. That's the threat I'm worried about. And so I want to align myself with him. That absurd logic that Esther has. Well, I can't, I can't do what God says because I'm afraid of the king. You know, go back to the mob boss. Really? I think there's a screw loose there. I think you're missing something. And when you, when you just accept him for who he is, then all these things open up. And you're not afraid anymore. And the funny thing about the fear of him is it actually kind of feels good. You know, it's, it's still fear. It is fear in the sense of you're trying to avoid this bad thing that you don't want to happen. But it just doesn't feel like the other fear. It just doesn't feel the same. It's fear, but it's like comforting somehow. And that's exactly what the Bible says. In Acts 9, it said they had fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I never knew fear could feel so good as long as you're fearing the right thing comforting fear that leads to faith and the other kind of fear of course is the the death of faith you know this so esther going into the king that's faith what's going to keep her from doing it fear fear of the king fear of what people think whatever it is fear there is no faith possible with that type of fear fear of others fear of anything besides god Fear of God makes faith possible. Fear of God is the foundation of faith. But if you fear anything else, to the extent that you fear it, you can't have faith because you're afraid. And that kind of fear does come from the devil. This idea that you can't trust God, 
This idea that maybe he won't fall through on his threats. He will. This idea that maybe he's not in control or he's not powerful. By the way, go back to what we talked about in the anxiety sermon, you know, just trust that God's in control. Well, for God to be in control means he is able to level the hammer. If he can't do that, he's not really in control. But anyway, the devil says that's not true. The devil, since the Garden of Eden, has been saying um, the punishments that God threatens won't happen. And that's what Adam and Eve thought. And all of a sudden, they're outside of the garden. And I thought, wait, I thought, I thought God was nice. And then you're toiling, sweat on your brow, trying to get food out of the ground. When yesterday, you know, it just dropped off the tree. And all of a sudden, you're screaming, trying to push this baby out. When before, everything just seemed so nice. He said that was going to happen. That's exactly what he said was going to happen. Because he didn't want him to make the wrong choice. And the devil comes and says, nah, it's not going to happen. It'll be fine. The devil comes and says the, the threats won't come true. He says that the rewards won't come through. He says that you should be afraid of all these other things more than you're afraid of God. And for some of you, to get rid of that fear that grips your life, not the fear of God, but the fear of all this other stuff, for some of you, it, it's going to require an intervention. And by that, I mean, you know, the funny thing about anxiety and depression, which again, plague almost everybody, uh, is that they're so treatment resistive. You know, that therapy and medication and therapy and medication in combination have such a dismal track record with anxiety and depression. That's because in a lot of cases, and I'm not saying in every case, I'm not saying don't go to counseling, I'm not saying take stop, stop taking your anti-anxiety meds or your antidepressants, because those can be helpful and those can be part of God's plan, part of God's healing. All of that can be part of it. This is not to disparage any of that. It's all great. Keep with your program. But what Logan said, you know, a month ago, said, I was depressed for two years. I went to therapy every week. And it wasn't until somebody had the courage to call it what it was and say, well, you know, you've got an impure spirit dominating you. You've got an evil spirit. The spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. Why are you afraid and you don't know why? Why are you afraid and you can't stop being afraid? Afraid for no reason. Just always afraid. And specifically afraid that the promises of God aren't true. Where does that fear come from? Same place it's always come from. Snake whispering in your ear. Except now it's lots of little snakes, you know? It's, it's, it's got a team. What I want to invite some of you to do today is go to the back and receive prayer. And what you ask for is you say, I want to be delivered. I want to be delivered from the spirit of fear. Because these spirits, which are very real and very personal, these, you know, beings, they're subject to Jesus Christ. They're subject to the authority of Jesus Christ, and they are subject to the authority of those whom Christ has commissioned. That's what he said in the passage, remember? 
He says, I give you authority to cast out these impure spirits. And for some of you, again, not to say that counseling or meds won't still be part of the picture, but for some of you, none of that is going to ultimately get the job done, and you can get a lot further down the road a lot faster if you just go and say, I don't want this anymore. At some point, you welcomed it in. Again, not by moral fault. You know, it's like a virus. You just catch it somehow. Something happened to you. Somebody said something to you. And at some point, you welcomed it in. And it's going to stay until you tell it to get out. So that's what I want you to do when we pray during the time of response. But before that, let's pray all together now. Father, we know you're good and we know you're loving. We also know you are powerful and awful and terrible. Great are you and greatly to be feared. I pray this morning that you would strike us with a holy fear, a fear of you, a fear so great that it expels these other fears these other impure fears, these other gross and disgusting and addictive fears. We want the clean, pure, hot fear of you and you alone. By the power of your spirit, strike us with fear and cast out every other fear. Cast out any spirit of fear. Cast out any spirit that is not of you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.